This is Enjoy Cherokee Voices, a podcast recorded live to deliver in-depth conversations with dynamic people from all corners of Cherokee County. Listeners like you sink into this weekly podcast to learn more about the people that make Cherokee County extraordinary. And now it's time to get to know another neighbor. Here's your host, Jody Drinker. Hello, hello, and welcome to the studio. I am here today with Charlize Baird. How are you? I am terrific. Thank you for asking. Before we started, I had to make sure I was saying your name correctly because you are, in my heart, my Charlize Theron, but that's the wrong way to say it. It's Charlize. That is correct. And you had a great way for me to remember this. Yes. Back in the day, my mother wanted me to have a very unique name. So she took my grandparents, who were Charles and Alice, and combined the two. So it came out to be Charlize. So the first half is spelled like Charles, and the second part is Ice, I-C-E, from Alice. That is beautiful. I, like, I love the name Alice, by the way. Thank you. I do. My grandmother was Alice. That's great. Now I like the name Charlize. So. Charlize Baird, you are a representative at the House of Representatives here in Georgia, Right? Yes, ma'am. Do you, have, do you have a desk at the Capitol? I do have a desk at the Capitol. Oh, Quite so exciting. Exciting. Yes. How often are you there? In January, we start our 2022 session and we will convene on January 10th and we are there by Georgia Constitution 40 days, but it is not 40 consecutive days. Oh. Just depends. So, but in truth, we are there from January mostly through mid April. And otherwise, when I'm back in our community, in my own district, we meet for coffee somewhere. So I do not have an office in my district. You don't, and you're in District 20, is that right? That is correct. Can you explain that a little bit to me? Where is District 20? District 20 is Woodstock 30188 and 30189 zip code. So it is all of downtown Woodstock in Mm -hmm. all of Town Lake area. Great. That's a big footprint. It is. We usually serve about um, fifty-five to 60,000 residents. Wow, you got a big job. Very big job. Yes, ma'am. You have, a, like I said, big job, and you come from Louisiana. I yes. know this. Tell me about your family. Where are you from? I was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I got there um, because my grandparents in the late 1800s moved from China to Hawaii, where my grandmother and grandfather had nine children. Wait a minute. Nine children. Nine children. Your grandmother and grandfather had nine children. Correct. Holy cats. That's a lot of babies. That's a lot of babies. Any twins in there? Or No, but we did have twins from one of my aunts. She had twin girls. Identical. Oh my gosh. This woman is a saint though. Nine babies. Okay, go on. Let's hear about it. So she and my grandfather um, raised all of their children in Maui. My uncle, who was graduating from high school, made a bet with some of his friends to be the first Chinese to apply for Tulane Med School in New Orleans. No kidding. Yes. (laughs) Quite the story. So they were all accepted um, into medical school for Tulane University. My dad went to visit my uncle at one point. They were both bowlers of all things. Like strikes and spares and bowling, yeah? Yes, ma'am. That's exactly it. I was born in a bowling alley. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, my family ran the bowling alley when I was born. Oh, my God. My first two years, I lived in a bowling alley. So enough about me. Let's hear about you. Go 
ahead. They were bowlers. They were bowlers. And my mother was um, the person behind the counter that gave out your shoes and your bowling ball and took your money. Yes. And so she and my dad started dating. So my dad did not return to Hawaii. He remained in Louisiana. So that's how I became a Chinese American from Louisiana. Wonderful. You had a cute story about how your not cute story. You had a good story about how your grandparents met. Yes, of course. Many, many years ago, um, my grandparents, they were oh, okay. an arranged marriage. So my grandmother was about 20 to 30 years younger than my grandfather. What? Yes. <laughs> wow. So the arranged marriage was in this big age gap. Big age gap. And I think in today's time, we call that cougars. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, although I'm not quite sure what they call the man, if I know it's the woman uh, who bought, maybe maybe it would be the cougat. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> so wait. So your grandparents were actually in China at that time. Is that right? And they were not married. They were being arranged. Ma- made matches made in heaven. There, Correct. So. My grandfather then was uh, moved himself to Hawaii to become a bookkeeper for a family member who had a business in Maui. And then my grandmother was called over at a later date. How long ago after he had arrived into Maui? I do not know that Did they have some of the children in China and then some of them in Maui? No, they were all actually born in Maui. No kidding. Yes. All so nine. you have a bunch of family in Maui? I do. My father and the whole family grew up in a small town in Maui called Paia. And on that side of the island, um, there is where windsurfing happens farther oh. down the road. Yes. So they still have um, property there and businesses and homes. Do you go there often to visit? I wish. I have not been to Hawaii since probably my 40th birthday, and that's been quite a long time. How can you're only 26, so I don't understand this. Correct. That okay. is 26 yeah. and an anniversary of a whole lot of other numbers. <laughs> <laughs> really wanted to get my dad back. Um, my dad started living with me here in Woodstock mm. um, at the age of 95 years old. Oh, my goodness. So we continued to talk about getting on a plane to go to Hawaii and um, through as he aged, um, he just did not have the energy to take that long trip to go home. He stayed with us for a couple of years and very happy um, and he passed at 97 years old. It was from old age and he had an incredible life. I can just, if he had a smile, anything like yours, I can see that he had a great life. Thank you. He did. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Now, have you been to China? I have. I have been to China. Um, My husband and I uh, were sent to Hong Kong for his job back in 1996. 1996. His job took you. Is he also Chinese American? He is not. He is English and quite Caucasian. Okay. <laughs> and and so he he was the one that ended up having a job transfer or something happening in Hong Kong. Tell me about this. Did you and you went with him? I certainly did. I jumped at the chance. We moved to Atlanta via Los Angeles back in 1993 and he took a new position with Ted Turner Broadcasting. Uh-huh. So a couple of years later he was asked if he wanted to become the president of all international sales for Turner Broadcasting and transfer to Hong Kong. Oh my goodness. 
It was an opportunity that we could not refuse, and it was exciting and scary all at the same time. I remember... What was that like to make that decision? I mean, when somebody says, oh yeah, we're going to make this huge promotion for you, and all of a sudden you're like, but you have to pick it up and move across the sea. It was scary, but exhilarating at the same time, thinking that oh my goodness, we're moving overseas where I've never lived before. Was there ever a moment of saying, we're not doing this, I can't do this? Not one single thought when we were in the car and he told me about and I said, what's to stop us? Let's go. (laughs) This is so exciting. (laughs) It was. So in a matter of um, a couple, three months, we were all packed and ready to go to Hong Kong. I remember being on the plane, sitting on the runway, and all of a sudden I was having an anxiety attack. (gasps) And going, started crying, and I'm going, oh my gosh, I can't believe that we're leaving everything behind us, our family and our friends, right. everything that we know. So the flight attendant came over at that time. Were you alone, or were you with your husband? No, here? I was with my husband, okay. and she saw that I was just hyperventilating, so she oh. came back and asked if we needed to turn the plane around. <laughs> Wow, that was that was some good service. It was great service. What what did you say? I said no, and I explained to her that we were headed to Hong Kong to live for the next few years, and she said, "All right, I understand." So you know, we got in the air, and I got over my anxiety and scared to death, but we made it, and it was the most um, exciting time of probably my lifetime living overseas. I would highly recommend it to anyone. I, I have so many questions in my head about this. So when you left here and went on that plane, when you had your anxiety attack, was that the first time you're headed there? Or did you go pick out a home? Or We did not. That was the very first time that I would even have dropped down um, on a plane to Hong Kong. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you land there. Did, you, did they have a home for you ready? They did. I mean, luckily, Turner Broadcasting, as most companies take care of expatriates, mm-hmm. so they did have a what they called a flat at the time, as, a, as opposed to an apartment. Mm-hmm. So that was all taken care of. We lived in a high rise, as most people in Hong Kong, because the island is quite small. In fact, Hong Kong is probably the size of Rhode Island. Oh, wow. So everything is built um, up straight up <laughs> and a lot of stories. I'm telling you, I can remember we moved to a, I think we were on the 25th or 27th story of this complex. Mm. And we had an incredible balcony where you could see all the planes coming in to Hong Kong. Really? They flew right past our deck where you could actually almost touch them. (gasps) And it was pretty amazing. But Michael, my husband, refused to go out on that deck to look (laughs) over because he was deathly afraid of heights. I don't know. There's something a little freaky about that for me, too. And then... You're kind of looking in the windows at people going by in the plane. It is pretty scary. And since then, of course, um, back, let's say the 1990s, 2000, Hong Kong has built a brand new airport, which is not new anymore. But when we first started flying back and forth to Hong Kong, back to Atlanta when necessary, the plane, you could actually see when it tilted people in their homes, in their high rise buildings. Oh, my God. It was astounding. <laughs> you can, did I leave the coffee maker on? Let me check it out. I can see. <laughs> that is true. Oh, my goodness. So tell, what were some of your adventures in Hong Kong? I had a lot of adventures. Um, Michael traveled quite a bit while we were in Hong Kong. There were many times that I traveled with him. Mm. And there were many times that I stayed at home and befriended many people from 
all over the world because they were expatriates as well. Your friends were all international. They were all international. Greatest experience ever to meet that many people in one small location and find such common ground among each other. So there was a organization, I belonged to many of them, and one of them was League of Women Voters. And you think of League of Women Voters as voting, which was very different in Hong Kong. It was really strictly meeting to learn about each other's history of their country and the political part of the history of their country. We would each take turns having uh, coffees and lunches at our own homes, and everyone would choose a topic that you would each talk about. So it was quite an experience to meet all of these women that were there for mostly because of their husband's jobs. This is quite fascinating because at this point, You were not in the political realm at all, were you? I was not, and actually that was my driving force. I was going to say, this is quite a seed to be planted in you. It is quite the seed that just kind of added to my seed prior, which my mother was very involved in politics. But once I got to Hong Kong and started meeting lots of people where we would have in our own delegations from the United States, such as Newt Gingrich, who was a congressman, congressmen and U.S. senators from all over the United States would come over to Hong Kong to me, to talk about what was going on in Hong Kong, China, Taiwan, all those sorts of things. And you get so, to meet all these people. I got to meet all of these people. Oh, you got the bug, girl. I, I did indeed. It. Absolutely. That was when the fire really started. So when I returned to the United States. And, and what year would that have been? That nine, 1998. Eight, we were there returned. for from door to door, I think for exactly two years. And we were actually there when Hong Kong was turned over to China. And we <laughs> We were at the American Club at a black tie event watching Prince Charles and the Britannia sail out of the Hong Kong Harbor. No kidding. I mean, it was history made right there in front of your eyes. So an experience that will be a treasured memory forever. So, oh, wow. But before I was over there, I mean, we traveled all over China. I was able to go to Beijing, go to Shanghai, went to see the Terracotta Warriors, visited Vietnam. We went to Australia, New Zealand. It was just an incredible experience that I will always remember forever and ever. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Just to remember all those wonderful experiences and the food and... Good food. Yes. Well... Sometimes you would not think that it was good food. I have to say, one very funny evening, we were at a Chinese dinner by some dignitaries, and my husband was the speaker for Turner Broadcasting, and um, we were at the table together, but never sat with each other. We always sat across from each other, Mm -hmm. and he was kind of picky about the foods that he ate. Because he was never sure what he may be eating. I, I, this is, I'm telling you, I feel for him because this is one of the reasons I've been worried about going to some foreign countries. Not because of the people, because of the food. This would be true. So, so go on. He was, we were at this banquet and he was just chowing down and I looked over and I gave him my eyes and did a real odd smile. And he goes, oh my goodness, what, what? is it that I am eating? What was it? I didn't tell him until after we were finished the banquet. It was um, jellyfish. Ay, caramba. <laughs> jellyfish. And that's supposed to be poisonous, I thought. I have no idea how they cook it, but it was these long strands that looked like very big um, spaghetti or <laughs> vermicelli noodles. Oh, my goodness. He's like, yum. Yeah. Oh, no. 
That is funny. Two of my nieces, Brooke and Beth, they went to China and they were actually way into the country, way in the poverty stricken parts of the country. And they were teaching. And one of the girls went in for her soup and picked it up. And it was actually a chicken talon on like a chicken foot right on the soup spoon. She's like, just dump it back in and eat around it. <laughs> that's what you had to do. Hey, that's how you're supposed to do it. Here's Jim Brown from North Georgia's Kitchen Tune-Up. We offer five ways to update your kitchen. We can restore, which is what we call our tune-up. We do repainting, redooring, refacing, or we can replace with all new cabinetry. This also includes a full suite of complimentary services, including countertops and backsplash installation. We also have comfortable payment plans to make your kitchen project very affordable. Jim, how do we get in touch with you? Check us out at kitchentuneup.com or give us a call at 470-808-9905. I can't believe you went to Australia and New Zealand, all of those places. All of those places. It must be much more accessible. I mean, how long did it take you to go from Hong Kong to, let's say, New Zealand or Australia? It must be much closer. From Hong Kong, it was about a nine to ten hour flight. To New Zealand. To New Zealand, Australia. Yes, it was long. Oh, that is a long time. Then. It is a long time. And I also have a very funny story about a flight to Australia. Michael usually would take a sleeping pill so that he would feel refreshed when we arrived at our destination. So this particular evening, he did what he normally did. Um, we all had a nice dinner, and he took his pill and was in a dead sleep. Oh, no. So... For probably, and I'm sure it wasn't very long, but for it seemed like an eternity to me, we were in a bad storm. And this plane was jumping everywhere and the wings were tilting. Every (gasps) Michael at one point looked up and he goes, what is wrong with you? I said, you haven't felt all of that while you're sleeping. (laughs) I happened to be holding the guy's hand next to my seat. Well, he was alive. Your your husband was dead asleep. You had to hold on to somebody that knew you were anxious about it. Oh, I was on goodness. a death grip holding my seat. Now, what that's going to do for me, I have no idea if we go down, but I was holding that seat. <laughs> you're not going down. To, you're going down together. Exactly. You went to, I'm, I'm jumping around here a little no, bit. No, no, that's all right. But you were also a teacher. I was. I was indeed. All my young years, probably from five years on up, all I wanted to do was be a teacher, an Mm -hmm. educator. So I would line up all my little dolls and put them like a classroom situation and I would be their teacher. Did you have a chalkboard? I did. You know, of course you had all those sorts of things and all your dolls were in a row and you know, you did the learning, the teaching of, you know, your two plus two and all these sorts of things and your words. So as I continued to grow and become older, it was still just a passion of mine. So I went to a small school at the time, was Southeastern Louisiana University Mm -hmm. in Hammond, Louisiana, and became an educator in 1974 is when I graduated. Where were you teaching? Um, What did you teach? I was at a... At the time, they were called um, junior high schools. Mm-hmm. It was called S.J. Barbary Junior High, and I was teaching math and English to students that were probably twice my size, and it was... <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So junior high school students, math. 
I yes. can't even, I'm just telling you, I can't even imagine. How many people in your English classes, was it literature kind of stuff? or was, was it more, more your basic grammar. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But math to junior high school students, I can't even imagine. Well, neither could I at the time either when they <laughs> gave me that particular subject to teach. Oh, my goodness. So, well, I mean, it was quite the experience. Um, loved every minute of it. Did you? Uh, Good. Teaching school, absolutely. How long were you teaching? Were, were, how long were you a teacher? Off and on for six years. I mm-hmm. stayed in New Orleans for about four years before moving on to the West Coast, moved to California and remained there for 20 plus years, and then taught a couple of years while I was in California. Mm-hmm. And I taught in the elementary school when I did my time in California. Mm-hmm. 20 years in California. Yes, ma'am. Wow. And then I'm just kind of gathering from this conversation that the Turner Broadcasting position took you to Atlanta. Is that what happened? That is correct. My husband was with um, the Samuel Goldwyn Company at Mm -hmm. the time out in California. He was recruited and took a job with Turner Broadcasting, and that's what brought us to Atlanta back in 1993. Did you move right to the Woodstock area at that time? We did not. We moved to Atlanta. We lived in Chastain Apartments. Mm-hmm. Stayed there for about 14 months because we cruised the entire area, uh, metro Atlanta area, for many, many months looking for the so-called perfect home. Mm-hmm. Which we did not. And we <laughs> came out as far as Woodstock. And at the time, Woodstock was a two-lane road with just a Kroger, and it was a long way from Atlanta inside the perimeter. And I asked my husband, I said, are you sure you want to drive this far to CNN that is in downtown Atlanta? I said, oh "Oh my goodness, honey. So, Well, two-lane road, meaning as in... That 575 was not 575 then. That must have been... It was small. I, you know, I'm not quite... Can't remember about the 575. It may have been... No, it may have been an interstate. But when you once you got off of the interstates, the thing that I clearly remembered more than anything, and that was when you turned off onto Town Lake Parkway, it was a two-lane road. Right. Mm. Coming and going. And I went, oh my goodness, honey, you're taking me from Los Angeles, California to Woodstock, <laughs> Georgia. <laughs> you're lucky. You didn't just have a horse and buggy or something. I mean, well, you know, <laughs> it crossed my mind. Right? Oh, my gosh. But no regrets? No regrets. So we finally found our home after 14 months, remained in um, Atlanta, in Sandy Springs area, actually. When we returned from Hong Kong after our two-year stint in Hong Kong, we remembered how much he liked Woodstock. Mm-hmm. So by the time those years passed, we came back to Woodstock and it had grown quite a bit from when we first saw it back in 1993. Right. So um, we even went into our development where our home is now and that house that was for sale. And we remembered vividly going and looking at these houses. And um, so that's how we chose our home here in Woodstock. So are you in Town Lake area? I am in Town Lake area. Wow. Yes. That's really, that's an interesting story. It's like a magnet drew you back there then. It did. I would say it was a kind of a God thing pointing me in a direction to be in Cherokee County and Woodstock to start the next chapter of our lives. Exactly. Oh my goodness. So then politics became a passion for your husband and you. That is correct. When we made the decision to return to Hong Kong, I told um, Michael that we were going to become very involved in our 
Republican Party in politics um, because it was way too important not to be involved. Mm-hmm. So immediately when we purchased our home, we seeked out the Republican Party and found some very dear friends. And we always laugh about how we became dear friends back in 1998 is when we purchased our home of April 1998. So that's kind of how it's evolved. We had prepared ourselves for leadership through politics and various institutes At that time, were you saying, hey, I think I'm ready to campaign? Or were you saying, I just want to get involved? It was, I want to get involved, or we need to be involved. Even though many people do not like the world of politics, it is so important for us to be involved in our community and know what is going on in our own backyard. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we did become involved in the Cherokee GOP. It was an opportunity not only to start meeting people in the community, but starting to see the lay of the land of Cherokee County and the politics here itself. Mm -hmm. So there was an opportunity and encouragement by some people in our community to run for chairman of our county commission. Mm -hmm. So it was something very new to us, the world of elected positions. Yes. Volunteering is way different from sitting on the sidelines and running. So he took on that challenge, Michael, my husband, and there were many supporters at the time, even though we were very new to the community. And we were accepted by so many in this community. It was just unbelievable, the warmth, uh, the kindness that they um, gave to us when he made that decision. It's a perfect opportunity to really get to know your community while you're out campaigning, get to know who is your neighbor, who is in your backyard, who is involved in your police department, your sheriff's office, going to the Cecil Pruitt Community Center, which was not built at the time, but these are all places that you want to build your community if you plan to remain here. Right. So he ran in 2002. And he was elected in 2003 as the chairman of our county commission. And it was a proud moment. And for a lot of people that we celebrated at actually Williams Brothers Barbecue. That's where we had our... Oh, that's so good. (laughs) Yes, it was. It was delicious. Absolutely. But during all that time, I made the decision that I should start going to institutes for... Um, to learn much more about politics, learning history, learning more of our constitution, these sorts of things. So you just sunk into the education of it. I did indeed, and just had a plan that I would always just be a wonderful wife and be his campaign manager and be a huge support for him Mm -hmm. and me being an encourager for him. Two years later, in 2004, There was an open seat for the House of Representatives, and I was one of three persons that ran for that seat back in 2004. So there were three candidates that declared their candidacy for House District 20 Mm -hmm. back in 19, no, excuse me, 2004. Okay. We went through an election, a primary, and two of us prevailed. So the third person dropped out. Well, they didn't move to the runoff election. Okay, so it was a runoff situation. It was a runoff situation. Were they all three Democratic? Were they all Republican? They were all Republican. So quite a while ago, um, Cherokee County became a red county. Mm -hmm. The majority of people are in with the GOP. 
Mm-hmm. So all three of us were all Republicans and ran for that specific seat. Two and of one, us. So that you had a runoff. Then I had a runoff. Yes. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine what it's like to go through a campaign. <laughs> it must be just this roller coaster ride. It is a roller coaster. It's um, scary. It is um, heart wrenching. Oh. It is dedication. Everything that you know, hard work. So it, you, when you run for office, you are going for the win. You're not going to consider yourself going to win, lose at all. It is strictly uh-huh. you're going for the win. That's the mindset you have to have. It is absolutely the mindset you have to have. So we have the runoff. So now you got to kind of start from scratch. You do. You start all over again. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness is so right. So what is it like? You have to go meet people constantly. You're invited to different things. I guess you have to have your own events to invite other people to. All of the above. You certainly have to be out there, be the face of your platform. And meaning your platform, you need to tell people what you stand for. What is it that you stand for? Are you right. pro-life? Are you pro-Second Amendment? Are you pro-business? Whatever it is that your issue is. Education's always at the top of the list, transportation. Mm-hmm. So you have to figure out what your platform is so that when you are invited to events, civic organizations to speak and have your own fundraising events, you need to tell those people that you're standing in front of what you stand for, for them to feel like that you represent their values, their principles, so that they are willing to work, volunteer for your campaign, certainly contribute financially, and also to go and get themselves and all of their friends to vote for you. That is like, you have to be ready at any moment to explain yourself. Absolutely. There is no time to, you have to be pretty quick on your, your feet oh, to yes. think rather quickly. And we always have to remember that once you've said it, you can't take it back. <laughs> it's out there. It's out there. But that's what's good about podcasts because you can always edit it out. No, I'm not really. Thank goodness. <laughs> During the runoff election, there was a tragedy of a shooting in Town Lake. And the other candidate claimed that people could couldn't make it to the polls to vote. So because of the tragedy? Correct. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine what that was. So it was taken to the courts. The judge overturned the runoff election because of the tragedy. We had to run for a third election in 60 days time. Oh my goodness. This is just like, could it get any more stressful? It was extremely stressful, especially being the first time out to run for a public office. Everything else since then has been a piece of cake, right? I can assure you it has (laughs) been a piece of cake. (laughs) It hasn't been easy, but it's been a lot easier than that first election. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So now you had to start again the third time from scratch. Third time and I eventually prevailed. So... So tell me, did you have a big party? Was the announcement made? How did this work? What was that night like? It was an incredible night. We had a victory party at mm-hmm. my own home. Woo-hoo! And then, of course, the local newspapers were there and mm-hmm. took an incredible picture with a very dear friend of mine on the front cover. It was an exciting moment because she was my campaign manager at the time, and it was the first time she had run an, a campaign. Oh. So, oh my gosh. So it just kind of snowballed from there for a whole lot of people um, to be involved in politics. The 20th district? It was an open seat. And the person who was serving House District 20 moved to the House seat to the state Senate seat. Uh So it became what we call an open seat. Gotcha. So So there was no incumbent. 
I can't imagine the excitement that was going on in your head, in your heart. It was pretty exciting. It had been a very long campaign. It was the next night. It was wonderful to just to lay down and not have to worry about getting up to knock on doors, you know, to go and you visit know, civic I, organizations. I think sometimes we forget our politicians, the people that help us in everything that goes on around us. It's hard for us to imagine that, you know what, you got to have a down day. You just have to sit there in front of the TV and veg. Because Absolutely. And not have any news on and just watch your life settle down for 24 hours. You have to be able to do that. It's so important because you have to prepare yourself for what's ahead. And so you have to have the downtime for when you are actually ready to gear up to become the state representative for your district and take that oath to represent those Fifty to 60,000 people in your community. What a responsibility. It's a big responsibility. People don't understand, um, even though it can get very ugly at times, but we have to remember our founding fathers. It was not a pretty picture for them either. Mm-hmm. I mean, their lives were on the line at stake because of England wanting to continue to rule the mm-hmm. United States. So they took upon themselves, our founding fathers, to fight against all of that. There certainly was a, a battle between each other once they were here mm-hmm. and wanting to run for office and develop our Constitution, our Bill of Rights. So, um, yes, it's a big job. The most iconic Jeep store in history, the all-new Tutton Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Jasper. Lease a brand-new Jeep Gladiator for just $3.49 a month. Or the all-new Grand Cherokee L for just $4.09 a month. Be American, buy American at Tutton Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. The most iconic Jeep store in history, the all-new Tutton Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Jasper. Lease a brand-new Jeep Gladiator for just $3.49 a month. Or the all-new Grand Cherokee L for just $4.09 a month. Be American, buy American at Tutton Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Okay, so now you won the election. I did. Big party. Took a nap. Yes, ma'am. Somebody gives you a key to the office in the Capitol. Do they have like tours? How did you, like all of a sudden now you belong here and how do you, I wouldn't even know where to go. What door do I go in? I don't even know any of this business. We did. There was um, a person that was appointed to all of us as new, what we call ourselves, freshmen that took you around, showed you where everything was. So in other words, the people that were just freshly elected into office from all over the state. Correct. Had somebody be sort of a tour guide. Correct. Okay. But they were... That makes me feel better already. Okay. Yes. So (laughs) that person has already been elected. They have been elected for a while. And she at the time was... um, duly appointed by our leadership to teach us where everything was or is mm-hmm. bathrooms you name it where the mail office is yeah, copier copier you know, you know where the secretary and who's going to serve you in those days where's the fax machine that that is true <laughs> absolutely because it was 2005 when i took my oath so it was a new experience, oh to say gosh. the least. There was so much to learn because you never know that you didn't know it until someone explains it to you and you go, oh my goodness, and I ran for that because of that? Oh my. Yeah. Yes. So Very eye-opening. It, very eye-opening. The day that we all took our oath to officially become a state representative to serve our community out of 180 people that sit in the House chamber... Mm-hmm. There were 40 new members 
That's a chunk. It was a huge chunk of new members that went into the House of Representatives. And when you're standing there holding a Bible, taking your oath, you look around this building and you go, oh my goodness, here is history (laughs) once again being made for me. But to look at the history that goes with our capital, how it got there, how the people that serve in the House of Representatives in that chamber, and all doing the same thing that I did. And looking back through the years, I mean, 1776, and then when we built our own capital, and of course, Georgia had five capitals before it finally settled on Atlanta. You were in a position that very few people get to be in. It's true. But you also have to think that um, if you are stepping into that role, first thing you want to be sure that you're ready to serve, Mm -hmm. that you have to give of your time and your talents. It's certainly not for a paying job because you don't make a whole lot of money for the cost it takes you to go to the Capitol every single day, January through April. And then being in your community, going to all of the events that's so important so that you are serving the people that you that duly elected you. Unbelievable. Okay, so now they showed you your spot and you sit in your spot? They showed me my spot. I sat in my spot for the eight years that I served. So in the House of Representatives, as well as the State Senate, everyone has to run for office every two years. Mm -hmm. So you must be ready to campaign pretty much all the time. I'm going to say, that's kind of all the time. You're always on. Always on. Yes, ma'am, you certainly are. You certainly want to be out visibly in your community. So here we go again. Um, Every two years, I ran for my seat in House District 20. Every two years, I had an opponent. So I did have to stay on top of everything, fundraise, get more volunteers, and certainly a lot of prayers from a lot of friends that encourage and keep you going on a daily basis so that you don't give up and get discouraged. So you have a campaign manager. I do have a campaign manager. All the time. All the time. I do. And their responsibility is to keep the numbers up. That has got to be a tough job. It is a big job. Um, We have known her for a lot of years. She is a mom of three now. Holy cats. She grew up in my community, and she was one of seven children. And her mother truly believed in learning the political process. And at three and five years old, the children were knocking doors for Michael, my husband, for his chairmanship. Well, she's part of the family then. (laughs) She is absolutely (laughs) part of the family. She does an incredible job for me. We speak um, probably once a week, but we're constantly texting each other because she is a mom with three young children. Um, We talk about events that are happening around not only my own district, but certainly the community. We talk about who wants me to come where. We also talk about social media because she is in charge of my social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I mean, all of these sorts of things now in the 21st century that we have to be well aware of. So you started before social media. I did. So this is something you had to change with the times. And now, <laughs> and now let's see, you weren't every year in the House of Representatives. Is that right? You took a few years where you weren't involved in it. That is correct. I, I left in 2012 and I just was in our community mm-hmm. as much as I had been the previous eight years. So I was out of office for eight years. And then you decided, I want back. 
I did make that decision. Once again, the seat became an open seat. Mm -hmm. There was no incumbent. There were five of us that declared our candidacy, but I did not think that those individuals were lined up exactly what I believed in. So that's why I threw my name into the hat once again. Well, clearly the community was behind you on that and you came through with flying colors. I did indeed. I won the election. It was also a runoff but okay. I did win. Mm-hmm. I prevailed by about 65 plus percent of the vote. Wonderful. And now, was, so total years in office. We're going on 10 as of January. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Look forward to serving everyone again. Well, listen, it has been a pleasure to have you here today. I am so thankful that you took time out of your busy schedule and, and shout out to your campaign manager. You were here on time and you were ready to go. I'm sure she had something to do with that. But um, really, I love seeing you at the chamber events. I love seeing you at community events throughout the area. I know you're also part of Holly Springs Police Foundation, which is a very active group around here. So that's good to see you in those places as well. It is. It's it's exciting. And so I just want to say thank you for having me on this podcast. It's been delightful. And I certainly enjoy serving my community in all respects. If anybody out there has questions for you, is there a place that they can contact you? You can email me at charlice, that is C-H-A-R-L-I-C-E, at charlice Bird. B-Y-R-D, all one word, dot com. Very good. We will make sure we put that on the show notes as well. I just have to say, we live in an incredible community. Everybody in this community is willing to step up at any time to help those that are in need as the chairman of the North Georgia Angel House. Tell me what your role is there and how long you've been with them and maybe some things that are happening there. Absolutely. Um, I became the chair two years ago. I have been on the board for going on 10 years now. And the North Georgia Angel House is a wonderful group home for girls 12 to 21 years of age. 12 to 21? Yes, ma'am. I did not know it went to the age of 21. We do wonderful things there on our campus. We are located in Cherokee County. We have a incredible executive director, Susan Worsley, who just runs everything like a very tight ship. There's been members of our community that have redone our kitchen. We are now doing five tiny homes on our campus. So there are girls that are official tiny homes, like the tiny home, tiny homes. They're all grouped together, yes, but they are. it's a kitchen, a tiny little living room, and a bedroom with a bathroom. So these girls nice. that may find themselves in trouble um, after they leave our community are brought back to these tiny homes to live. Wow. So it, the Angel House is a foster care facility, is that right? That is correct. It is, and the reason why I became involved in foster care, my mother and father adopted two children, One was six months old and one was three years old when I was 10 years of age. It was an incredible experience having two adopted children come into our home. I only had one blood sister. 
Through my education, I would go to a group home to tutor children that were in foster care. And there was a family of six children from 12 to six months old. We did not want them to be split to go to various foster homes. I talked my parents in taking all six of those children. Oh my goodness. And they remained in our home for two years. No kidding. Yes. That in itself was an experience. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes, indeed. So the Angel House is near and dear to my heart for many reasons outside of they need all of us to be part of the community to educate them for them to become productive citizens and move out and have their own children, families and businesses. Yes. Wonderful. We're going to have to have somebody on here on the podcast to to enjoy Cherokee Voices, just to find out a little bit more about the Angel House so we can get to the bottom of that. Please. Yeah, that would that, be terrific. It would be terrific. We do a lot with Goshen Homes, and um, that's for boys, mostly. They do have families stick together, but but I think there's a lot more to learn on the uh, girls' side of this program. Too, yes, so ma'am. There is. I look forward to that. Well, don't go away, Charlize. I have a little fun coming okay. up. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Get ready. Get your thinking cap on, because I got 10 questions for you. Oh, boy. All right. right. And it's all fun. Okay. All right. We'll be back in a minute. On TV, you constantly see commercials for personal injury attorneys with offices from who knows where. I'm attorney Ron Dabransky, and I'm different. I only serve North Georgia for my office in Woodstock. And yes, I will be your personal attorney if you're injured in an accident. For over 20 years, I've been winning for the people in North Georgia. When you're injured through no fault of your own, let me work for you. Call attorney Ron Dabransky at 770-926-1957 or dabransky.com. Welcome back. Thank you. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. We got quickie questions. Okay. It's more, it's more difficult for me to say quickie questions. Okay. <laughs> quickie <laughs> questions. All right, here we go. Do you prefer the beach or the mountains? Mountains. Do you prefer texting or phone calls? <gasps> phone calls. Oh. How about pork or beef? Pork. Mm. Thus, the Williams Brothers barbecue restaurant, of course, right? And Chinese people eat a lot of pork. That's true. All right, what's your favorite holiday? Christmas. Is it? It is. It's the right time of year. It is the right time of the year, and I would hope that we all remember the reason for the season. That's right. And what is it? It's Jesus' birth. Christ in Christmas. Yes, ma'am. That's right. I'm with you on that. What was your first car? A Camaro. It was a silver Camaro. Wow. Yes. You were living high on the hog. Ooh, yes. My students love seeing me come in the parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) Was it a convertible? No, it was not. That would have been cool, though, too. You would have been the best. You would have been my favorite teacher in junior high, for sure. Uh, Would you rather be on the show Survivor or Chopped? Chopped. Are you a chef? I love cooking. Do you? One of my favorite things to do to relax. Really? Yes. So do you like the meal part or do you like bake? Do you like baking and cooking or just cooking? Just the cooking part. And when I'm trying all these different recipes, of course, I will go online now because it makes it very convenient as opposed to cookbooks Mm -hmm. and only will do recipes that are four and a half and five stars. Oh, 
Yes, indeed. Now I'm struggling with my cookbooks, whether to get rid of them or not. But there's so many wonderful recipes in those books that I do have. Do you make notes in your cookbooks? Oh, yes, ma'am. I surely you do. You shouldn't get rid of them. <laughs> Don't get rid. They'll be in a museum someday. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite fiction book of all time? That's a very good question. I'm trying to you, think. It's, you taught English. I did, but you know, I know it's mostly like grammar. Flash through my mind the storybook of Hawaii. That's a book. The storybook of Hawaii. It is a book, and it was called Hawaii. And I think it was Michener that wrote all of these books about various countries. I don't know if you remember that. I don't recall this at all. Yeah, he would write books about different countries, if I remember, and one of them was Hawaii. Well, so, I will have to look that up. Please do, and I hope I'm correct. <laughs> or if I remember correctly and not having a freeze, a brain freeze. A brain freeze, we all have them. We'll, we'll make sure, we'll, we'll do that. We have fun facts with Katie at the end, so she'll have to make sure we get all that okay. information. Um, who was your first celebrity crush? Steven Seagal. Oh, I dated Steven Seagal a couple of times. In real life? In real life. Get out of (laughs) town. We missed this whole part. We're almost done with the podcast, and now I find out that you were dating Steven Seagal. Okay, we need that story. In a nutshell, let's hear the Steven Seagal story. My sister was um, dating a producer in Los Angeles, and he was good friends with Steven Seagal, and they introduced me. And we went to dinner a couple of times. Oh, my goodness. Do you have pictures with you with him? No, unfortunately, I did not take pictures. I didn't think it was important at the time. I should have. (laughs) Was he somebody special at that time? Like, was he uh, as well known at that time? Or was this like before his big break? I think he was just beginning his big break. Because he spent many, many years in Japan. Ah. And he spoke fluent Japanese and loved going to eat Japanese food. And conversing in Japanese with the chefs and staff at these Japanese restaurants in Los Angeles. That's amazing. It was. It's quite an experience. I've asked that question several times. Nobody actually had a crush they dated. (laughs) So you win. You win that one. You get a big circle around that one. Um, Do you have a current celebrity crush? Kevin Costner. Oh, oh, I'm feeling swoony. (laughs) And finally... I know you said you like the mountains, but what's your favorite beach within seven hours of Atlanta? Siesta Key. <gasps> that is beautiful it down there. It is a there. gorgeous beach. It's very unique. It's, it's such a, a homey little cutie town area. I just love it down there. So yeah. It great. is. And the sand never gets hot. So your feet don't burn. Really? Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Why does it never get hot? It's something special about that particular kind of sand that they have. It's so fine. It's it's as fine as sugar. Granulated sugar. That is crazy. I have burned my feet on the sand. I have had, I've spent the next day with my feet up in the air because they were swollen from being so burned on sand. That was Hilton Head. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's hot there. So siesta key. Well, Charlize, thank you again very much for coming in. I appreciate you being here. Your smile just brightens up every room. Do you know that? Well, thank you very much. It's been fun. Okay. (laughs) Now get out there and enjoy Cherokee. Yes, ma'am. Enjoy Cherokee Voices and Enjoy Cherokee Magazine are produced by EMI, a nationally recognized award-winning multimedia content producer. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. For additional information about this and all of our podcasts, visit enjoycherokee.com.
Welcome. If you enjoyed this show, click subscribe and take some time to rate and review the podcast now. It really does help us succeed in the booming world of podcasts. And now, stay tuned for Fun Facts with Katie. And we're back with Fun Facts with Katie. I'm Katie. You're Katie. (laughs) And you're full of fun facts. I am. That was great talking with Charlize. It was. What a fun lady. She's so nice. I know. She really is nice. She's such a she's such a fun person to have in the community. She's everywhere. Right. I yeah. see her all the time. Everywhere, all the time. Mm-hmm. So what did you find out with some fun facts? So I've got some fun facts about her serving on the Georgia House of Representatives, um, a little bit about her as a person, and then some about her involvement with the North Georgia Angel House and some information mm. about the Angel House for people who may not know about it. Let's start with the house. Start in the house. Yeah, so... Charlize previously served as a member of the Georgia House of Representatives, where she represented District 20, as she does now, um, from 2005 to 2013. Mm -hmm. And then Michael Caldwell took over her House seat at that time. And he is actually now taking office as mayor of Woodstock, starting at the beginning of 2022. And then, so Charlize then took her seat back after that. A little bit of musical chairs. Musical chairs in the House. That's right. But what I found interesting is Charlie's actually started out, um, she earned a Bachelor's of Arts in Elementary Education from Southeastern Louisiana University. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a fun little background. And then she, you know, taught and then became involved in the politics. Yeah, she was telling me about that, um, about how she was spending time in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's come a long way. Yeah, it's funny how people's career paths change. Yeah. Aside from her state involvement, um, she's involved locally very heavily. She's in almost every single ribbon cutting and networking Mm -hmm. event thing you can find. But she serves as the chair of the board of directors at the North Georgia Angel House, which she talks a little bit about with us. Um, And she's also a member of the board of directors for the Friends of the Holly Springs Police Foundation, um, who does a lot of work fundraising and things for the Holly Springs Police Department. A little bit about the Angel House. Angel House is a foster care home for young women. I know that much. Mm -hmm. And not that long ago, I'm going to say maybe two years ago, Victoria Hill really brought to light what the Angel House was when she flipped the script on foster care as Miss Georgia. Mm -hmm. She came in as actually first runner-up for Miss America And she really helped the Angel House raise money and become first and foremost in our minds about how we should treat foster care Mm -hmm. in our system and in our hearts and in our minds, I think. So, yeah, she did a lot for foster care in this area. Cool. Um, Yeah. So the Angel House is it's a group home, um, but they also have some programs with transitional living and independent living. The foster care is for females between the ages of 12 and 21. And then the transitional and independent living are for the ages of 18 to 21 um, so that they can remain in sort of a foster care environment while also working and or attending school and learning how to become self-sufficient, essentially, because I think a lot of foster care programs these days are are realizing that there used to be such a drop-off between the foster care system and being pushed out into the the real world, as Mm -hmm. they say, and a lot of people not knowing how to cope with that. Goshen Homes is finding that as well. They say the same thing, that 
there's this lack of education between the age of 18 and, I don't know, 23 or something like yeah. that. So, yeah, it's it's a learning experience for those people. Right. For on. sure. Yeah. As part of their transitional living program, they the North Georgia Angel House have has opened five new cottages at their facility in Canton um, in December of this year, which is 2021. Um, the cottages provide independent living and valuable life skills to those who are transitioning out of the foster care system. Um, each cottage has a living area, a bathroom, and a bedroom, and this is for those women 18 to 21. And so a little bit about that program. For the first 15 months, the young women in the program, they have all the necessities that they need paid for by the organization, the Angel House. But as they age up in the system, they take on the payment responsibilities in a tiered structure. Mm. So they'll be working and or in school, but they will be learning how to make those payments for those necessities, utilities, things like that. Um, So it's in a tiered structure so they can work their way up to it. It's not just thrust all on them at once. Um, But so they are learning how to take care of their own finances. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, so that's just a little bit about the Angel House. There's, of course, more information available at their website, um, which is angelhousega.com. That was a huge point for Charlize. She's been involved with the Angel House for eight years um, and, of course, a big part of that organization. So, Yeah, you could tell it was really near and dear to her heart. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. really nice. I'm glad she brought that all up, and I'm glad you did some research so we know yes. a little bit more about it. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, Katie. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. All right, everybody, it's time to get out there and enjoy turkey. That's right. Have a great day. Bye-bye.